two, three, four. It's the Drunk and Dick Show. It's the awesome Drunk and Dick Show. It's the Drunk and Dick Show. It's called a Dick It's the Drunk and Dick Show. It's the awesome Drunk and Dick Show. It's the Drunk and Dick Show. It's called a Hello and welcome to the 99th episode of Afternoon Yap. I'm excited to say it's our annual Game of the Year episode. I'm Chuck the Punk, and with me today is Mal Pal, Brian, and it's my best pal in the whole world, but that role is currently up for grabs. It's Dinger Dog. What's up, folks? I, I, is it because, is it because I'm not there? Is it because we're I doing... haven't seen you in two months. You're a snake. Um, this podcast is coming via what are we doing here, Brian? Is this Skype or Zoom? This Skype. is my first time doing Skype. something like this. this is Actually, Skype. I did a podcast with you years ago uh, for your old show, your better show, um, <laughs> where we did kind of a crossover show. But this is our game of the year episode. Matt Powell, how you doing, bud? Pretty good. Happy New Year, uh, everybody. I got a couple questions. So. Our usual game of the year episodes is usually we just jump right into the games because we have tons of games to talk about. It's usually it's usually this crowd. It's usually me, Dinger, and Mal Pal and a bunch of Red Bull vodkas. And apparently we're in the middle of a pandemic, so we are doing this the fun way. I am drinking coffee and uh, coming to you guys uh, via Zoom. So, uh, but I want to. We haven't done a show in two months, and uh, I want to do this like the our people. Like our, are what? clamoring. The people are clamoring for a show. I mean, I can't walk down the street without someone stopping me and saying, when's the next show? What about the game of the year? Sorry. Our our last podcast, like my dad, he's a big fan. Uh, he said, you know, I love the show, but he's like, you've got to really stop it and cool it with the drinking stuff and dinger dog. He's like, I don't want anybody to get into trouble. And I was like, dad, it's all shtick. Like nobody's sitting around believing the Dinger Dog had a four-day hangover. Nobody's sitting around believing that, but it's all shtick. And then I thought to myself, there was some woman that got caught like spreading white supremacy stuff. And when her co- employer caught her, she said, oh, no, 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 no. This is all shtick. So I just want to reiterate that Dinger Dog did not have a four-day hangover, but he did <laughs> have an unexpected hangover yesterday. Dinger Dog, tell us all about that, because we were all privy to it via text message. I must have texted him like four times right in the morning. Just That's how I start my day, too. Like I, I don't want Dinger. If Dinger Dog is going to avoid me for two straight months, he's going to get text messages. And finally, around 2 o'clock, I sent a text message that said, are you hungover? Two hours later, he goes, yeah, this is bullshit. Dinger Dog, tell me about it. Wait, well, there's so much that I want to contest in the, in those previous statements <laughs> that I just don't have enough time to. Uh, yes, yes. Even if I was seeing you, you would still send me texts first thing in the morning because that's, I mean, that's what happens. That's my life. Um, no, I, I was, uh, I took my a son, cutie. My son said his first two words. You know what he said? He said, where's Dinger? <laughs> that's what he said. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I do my best. Uh, so, no, I had a nice low-key uh, New Year's Eve. Just a couple of beverages, beverages. Just, you know, a handful, maybe. Probably less than a handful. Baker's and dozen. Baker, no, not a baker's dozen. See, this is where I got to get fired. Uh, no. And I woke up, and it was, it was, it was a the worst of the surprise hangovers because you know you have the surprise hangover category of the reverse hangover where you wake up 
feeling good and then you feel bad. I just felt bad from the get go. Uh, at five a.m. sharp, like, did yeah. it start like first thing? Yeah, right. I woke up and I'm like, why do I have a headache? And usually, you you know, but no, I, I, there's not much more I can add about this. Yesterday, I felt bad and then I made myself feel better. <laughs> I have been working Dinger Dog for two straight months. Like the reason, like God knows, we've had stuff to talk about, and I've been pleading with my co-host, please come over to my home. Please let's do a podcast. And like, I love keeping him like in limbo. Like in one sentence, I'll say, listen, I'm, I know we're in the middle of a pandemic. I know like, I don't want to get your family sick. I know like we'll deal with all of this stuff when everything blows over. And then like two hours later, I'll be like, you know, you're a rat bastard. (laughs) (laughs) And Dinger, I just want to tell you that like all of those mean stuff, that I've been saying the last few months. I mean it. Okay. I, mean, I, I just I just don't know what your problem is. Uh, we did switch to Anchor, which is a new uh, uh, podcasting service, and now they're gonna start paying us. And I asked my wife if she thought, and I even asked Dinger. I was like, I, you know, it's not gonna be much. It's gonna be you know dollars here and there, but I'm willing to split it with you. And Dinger said, No, 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 don't worry. And then I said to my wife, I was like, Should I split the the funds with Dinger, and her response was "fuck no," and and she loves Dinger. She loves Dinger Dog. Like that's like Dinger is one of her best friends. But she's like, "How much money have you put into the microphones? How much money have you put into hosting it at first? How much?" And you're like, "And Dinger, that snake, all he does is show up." I'm glad. I'm glad he. I showed up late today for this Zoom, so that's on me. But my first question was: Is Dinger what cup on a string are you using? That's going to ruin this podcast. And my favorite is, is Dinger will ruin a podcast by using the wrong equipment. And then to make me feel better, he will say, I thought it sounded pretty good. Well, some of the times, Dinger, we're not using your standards. And thank God. because <laughs> Is this just going to keep going? Because like, uh, I, I know the one good thing about a, uh, a Skype podcast is there's this mute button right here. <laughs> hey, Dinger. Hey. So you haven't seen me in two months, but you've seen five, six, seven dealerships. How's buying a car? Did you get a 2021 nothing yet? I hate buying cars. Stop it. I'm going to, I the, the guy, I was just reading while you were talking about whatever you're talking about. I was reading an email from <laughs> dealership number seven. Like, I just wish they would tell me a price and ex- let, let me have the car. I give you the Peter. money. You give me the car. That's not how it works. You go in there knowing exactly what – Dinger went in to a dealership, and they said, do you want it with two rows or do you want it with three rows? And he looked at the guy, and he said, I don't know. And then the guy <laughs> said – the guys from the dealership said, how much is are you willing to spend? And Dinger Dog said, I don't know. That's not true. And, and, at, and at that point, the man became visibly erect. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Did, I mean, are he you, said, "Here, let me send out a quick text." To are my you boss. always like, partway hungover when you're going into these dealerships? Walk me through. Walk me through. You get, you went in with a coupon, right? You told me that you said that this you, car is twenty five percent off. You don't it, tell them about the coupon until the end. That's. <laughs> I think that's my main thing. Is like I get so frustrated with these guys because I know all the tricks and I use all the tricks, and so we're like. We can never get to anywhere because everybody's waiting for the next shoe to drop. We're like, all right, this is the low, as low as I can go, they say. And then I'm like, ah, but I found this coupon from 1997 
that doesn't have an expiration date and you have to yeah I don't might know. as well send in me to negotiate. Like, I, I don't I understand. You do this for a living, but you go in there and the numbers are just fluid. Is that what's up? That's like, what a negotiation <laughs> is. <laughs> the numbers are they fluid. Shouldn't be, they shouldn't be fluid by $10,000. Dinger said, I might get a, a car that has a third row so that we can cart around extra people. And I said, well, are you going to definitely do that? And he said, I don't know. He goes, I'm going to go to eight or nine more dealerships to find out if it's a deal or not. I, I, it's thousands of dollars, Chuck. I don't uh, – I was going to say something mean, and I didn't. I uh, Dinger Dog, myself. you did get me a very nice Christmas gift. It was one of my favorite gifts that I got this year. Uh, Brian, you probably saw it. I got uh, – it was a, uh, uh, a uh, one of those videos from, like, an, from <laughs> an actor. Like- you what is it? Cameo? Yeah, you it got a cameo. Kev- cameo. It was Kevin McDonald. Like, couldn't have hit the nail more on the head. Kevin McDonald, Kids in the Hall, my favorite TV show of all time, one of my favorite Kids in the Hall of all time. And and he's never met us, and he is railing on Dinger the whole time. Get out from under the bed. Lonely, lonely Dinger. Thank you so <laughs> much, Dinger. Uh, it doesn't make up for the last couple of months, but it was super thoughtful. Um how are you boys doing working from home? Oh man, uh, it's not, great. So it's pretty much the same same stuff as before. Oh, Dinger Dog, you this is all new to you, right? Are we allowed to talk? We can just say that you just started working from home. That that doesn't give away too much. That's right. We'll say I'm starting to work from home. But you you're guys... not you're not a work from home guy. Just like no. you're not a go in with a plan to buy a car guy. You're you're more a guy that's out there in the office hitting the streets every day. So have you gotten sick of eating sandwiches yet? What, what do you eat these days? Because you used to just skip lunch, and now you've got to be snacking and munching and grazing. What do you do to get you through the day, Dinger Dog, besides not come over to my house? Uh, well, it, I, geez, this is pretty Dinger-focused. Uh, <laughs> I've... You're the fucking co-host of the show <laughs> of course it's stinger focus i you think we're gonna ask how malpow's been or how brian's been no we, we oh. want to know how dinger dog's been okay, i'm sorry i'm sorry uh no it working from home is the worst thing ever uh <laughs> my I, it's i thought it would be great but it is not i don't know how people do it like i like there's so They're many doing things it. this is how people do it you have a turkey sandwich every day and you go I think I'm going to go jump off a bridge. Well, I I can't even eat sandwiches anymore. I was so depressed the other day that I threw away my turkey sandwich. I found like kids chicken nuggets that were in the freezer that we saved for nieces and nephews. And I heated them up 10 and I had ranch sauce. And I thought to myself, this is going to be the best part of my day. This right here, (laughs) frozen chicken nuggets is going to be the best part of my day. I, I don't know why I envision you like cutting them with a knife in fork. You're like, oh yes, sweet, I did sweet. do that. Okay, you, you know I did that. They were too hot to pick up. <laughs> did you microwave them? Yes. Oh god. Uh, all right. Sad anyway, that you don't have time for the convection oven. Uh, so the I think the biggest trouble I have is I so I made this basement office and I kind of wanted to like class it up. So I got like a bar cart. You know, because there's we're kind of I've got a TV for down here too to kind of make it like a rec room or whatever. And right now the bar cart I can see from my desk, and that is a mistake. Do not if you set up a personal office or a work from home office, 
do not let the bar cart be visible from your desk. That is all I will say about that for, so, for various you, reasons. You haven't gotten off of an important work call and just been like, I think I'm going to have a Manhattan. That I, hasn't I, happened. I've thought that. I, but I think that all the time. I, it's like I feel like I need to be Don Draper. Like I, I could be Don Draper. I'm just in my house. Just harassed my wife, you know. Dinger was, Dinger was building his home office. He was renovating his basement. And he was making sure that everything was all good to go. He finds his electric box. And he finds that not only is there a leak in the house, but the leak is running directly into the electric box. Now, how did you remedy that? Uh, well, let's see. After calling some many electricians, and they were really expensive, I got some spray foam. And I fixed the, <laughs> oh, I love I fixed I love the leak. It. I can't yeah. wait till you're like, I got um, some some cans, right? And I cut open the cans, and then I got some caulk, and boom, it was fixed. That's like how you fixed my uh, my car. <laughs> oh yeah, well, uh, easy there, money bags. Like I, you just spend money, you spend your wife's money. I have a budget that I have to stick to. Budget? Your budget seems fluid when you're going to buy a car. Ten thousand here, ten thousand there. I don't know. We'll see where it goes. <laughs> You got to get them excited first. You got to get their blood going, and the, and then when the manager's there, then you don't have to wait around for all the answers. I, I'm re I'm really surprised that we're not hammering the way that he lives in Clintonville. Like this seems like a prime opportunity for Chunk to just go off on him living in Clintonville. But that's go. Actually, that's actually pretty on the hammer. His, uh, or on the nail. On, on the, the hammer. hammer? I, I don't know. I I'll have to come back to that. I listen to the show, Chunk. I, I know you. <laughs> That makes one of us out of the four people here. Chuck, do you listen to the episodes? Uh-huh. Oh. I usually just listen to when they say my name and then and then I move on. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're going to keep this lighthearted, but it's a little dark. Um, my best <laughs> pal, Jack Bauer, passed away. Oh, oh coincidentally, oh. the last time that I saw Dinger Dog. he My dog died, and then Dinger's like, you know what? That's the only reason I was coming over there anyway, was to hang out with Jackie Bowerton. But Jack Bauer, he lived a good long life. We rescued him at six years. He lived seven years with us. He struggled the last like seven months with dementia. It was really, really sad. And it just got to the point where I could not watch him suffer any longer. And Dinger was nice enough to come help me through. I mean, it was the worst day of my life. It was the election was happening. And I remember going to bed that night so defeated. I was like, oh, my dog's dead and my kid has a sinus infection and I'm pretty sure that we're looking at another Trump presidency. I'm just going to go to bed because this is the absolute worst day of my life. But anyway, Dinger Dog came and helped me uh, in the middle of the day because we had all this stuff going on. We had to take um, our kid over to his uncle's house because we didn't want him present there when Dinger Dog comes over. And he takes his selfie with Jack Bauer and he whispered into his ear, dead man walking. And I said, dinger dog, that's tacky. Now, I, I mean, I did take the selfie and I did whisper something into his ear, but that was, I, that was not what, I mean, you can't prove that that's what I said. It's not I, like you whispered like something fun, like in that Bill Murray movie. I mean, you clearly whispered something dark into that dog's ear and I just want to let you know, Dinger, if you ever get like that, if you're ever an invalid like that, I won't hesitate to pull the plug. But uh, first, uh, 
I'm going to draw a cute little mustache on you, and then I get to set you in fire in front of your kids. What do you think about that? I I mean, the fire part's a little bit (laughs) a hair dark. Uh, I only treated Jack Bauer how he treated me. He this is we had an agreement that like we would make fun of each other. Like if it was me, you would have had to brought Jack Bauer there, and he would have pulled the plug with his paws. So Uh, I don't. you house you 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 came over and you uh, watched the house for us while we were gone. I don't remember where we were, but I was like, "Listen, you got to deal with Jackie Bauer. Like, he's not in a good way." And Dinger's like, "I got it, I got it." So Dinger Dog's in the basement, and Jack Bauer loves Dinger Dog, but he's got dementia. He doesn't know where he's going. And he, and I came home, and I said, "Did you have any issues while I was gone?" He's like, "Well." Jack Bauer did fall all the way down the stairs because oh. <laughs> Dinger Dog was down there playing NBA Jam, and Dinger left the, left the door open, and Jack Bauer went, oh, Dinger Dog. I'm going to go, oh, my God, all the way down the steps. And, and was, this, this is where you don't – like this is where a podcast is not the right format for this. I mean, if it wasn't so sad, it would have been the funniest thing <laughs> that I've ever seen in my life. Like he – it was – it wasn't like he kind of slipped and like – you know how – as adults, we say we fell down the stairs when you kind of maybe lose your slip and then you put your hands down and you're like, oh, I fell down the stairs. Now, he was like head over tail, like full <laughs> cartwheel, like maybe not even hitting – like he probably hit the stairs twice out, out of 14. And you, and you know he did it for comedic value too. I mean oh, yeah. he was – it wasn't like a th- – I mean he we had, a, we had a little door stopper that we called the stupid <laughs> alarm. And me and Dinger would laugh so hard. Walk by it, and the doorstopper will go boing, and we're like, "Oh, the stupid alarm's going off." Jack Bauer must be walking around, <clears throat> but Jackie Bowerton, you will be missed. Uh, but I thought it was really, really funny because when I was on the phone with them, they they were offering up the cremation services, and they said we will do this in the most tasteful, you know, elegant way to honor your pet. And all I thought about was it's probably Dinger Dog at his house charging $15 a dog and he just takes them, yeets them into a dumpster, sets them on fire and goes, all right, done is done. And, See, and that's how, you, <laughs> that's how that's you're That's where I money. really have to come in and say, this is not true. I do not own any dog cremation services, nor would I. And Dinger's, if I did, that's how I'm going to lose my job. Dinger's like, tasteful cremation services. We, we, we yeet the competition. We swear to God. That's not how we do things. I I, uh, I got nothing to say. That's not true. <laughs> My dad was telling me this story of when they sold their old house that I grew up in. Uh, our family dog died back sometime in the 90s. And he wrapped him in a baby blanket, the dog, and buried him in the backyard. And when he was selling the house to the new owners, he said, listen, if you go rooting around back in the backyard and you dig up a baby blanket full of bones, I'm telling you, it's a dog. <laughs> don't don't go calling the cops that was just a a family pet uh did anybody get i know that we're all grown-ups did anybody get anything fun for christmas before i get into uh some of the some of the fun stuff that i've been getting into open open for dinger dog i know you got a new tv right (laughs) uh brian what did you get for christmas oh i just got covid Oh, <laughs> you don't sound great. Uh, thanks. No, that's the gift that keeps on giving. Um, well, pal. Uh, yeah, actually. So after years of uh, Chunk sending me listings 
for arcade cabinets constantly. Uh, I'm sure it's come up on the podcast before. He has a basement arcade, effectively. Uh, there was finally one that I couldn't say no to. And uh, so my Christmas gift this year uh, from my lovely wife was the Marvel versus Capcom Arcade One cabinet. Um, I'm a huge MVC fan, and uh, it, it's absolutely awesome. Uh, it's the first, probably one up being only, arcade cabinet I have, but it, it is great. Looks great, sounds great. Um, it's got a lot of games on it. So, yeah, that's, that was my... Famous last words. Uh, the only one that I was going to get was Mortal Kombat, and then I came home with NBA Jam. So keep that to heart. Uh, Brian got COVID, so that's fun. Dinger Dog got a new TV. Um, I've been working my wife for months for a new TV. I, we had a 60-inch TV in the one room, and it wasn't cutting it. And she is at Costco, and I'm putting the, the kid down. And we had kind of hem and hawed over getting a new TV, which was a 75-inch TV. And she goes, if I get this for you, you're taking care of the kid every single night. And I said, you know, baby, you get that TV for me, whatever you want. We'll have four more kids. I don't care. Just get that TV. She comes. Just am suspecting that it's not happening. Like, I, she's not going to buy me this TV. This is absolutely ridiculous. Then Dinger Dog comes over unexpectedly, and I'm starting to get suspicious. I'm like, what's the old Dinger Dog doing here? And she did have it. And so me and Dinger Dog bring it inside, and my wife looks at me, and she's like, fuck you. That TV is way too big. Way too big. And Jeff, or Dinger Dog, has to be like, no, no, no. Like, just give it a shot. Like, what was our first uh, recommend? Our first recommendation was, it was too big to put on my current TV stand. Like the legs were too far out from it. Like it had to be mounted. And so I, I was like, give it an extra day. And my wife's like, fine. She's angry. She's like, fine. She's like, but if it does not work, we're taking it back. And I was like, okay. So I am bugging Dinger for a day straight. I was like, listen, you have got to come over tomorrow at five o'clock and we've got to get this TV up because if we waste one more day, like this bad boy is going back. So Dinger Dog shows up. We have to mount it. We don't have a uh, stud finder. So we have to get into my car. And I was like, Dinger Dog, I, do you have plans tonight? Cancel them. Because it doesn't matter what's happening. We're getting this TV up. And we got it up. And we started watching it. And my wife said, boy, this is so big that it's starting to give me a headache. And I thought to myself, yeah, it, it, this is actually starting to give me a headache too. But somehow, lo and behold, I have no idea how it happened. I wound up this Christmas, actually like um, six, two months beforehand, because it was po before Dinger Dog stopped just coming to my house completely with a new TV uh, and a PlayStation 5. Malpa, you're a new, you're a new PlayStation 5 owner. How's that treating you? I'm enjoying it a lot. I uh, picked up Demon Souls right away. Um, I just got it recently, so none of the, well, we'll get to it when we talk about the list, but, um, but yeah, so that's mainly what I've been playing on it. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's great. My wife came in like, cause she had noticed like a couple more gizmos had come in the mail, like headphones an extra controller. And she looked at me and she's like, how much are we all in with this PlayStation five? Have you guys ever just completely avoided a direct question from your wife? Like where you don't have an answer or you do have an answer. 
So you just <laughs> change the subject every day. Or, do the, like, or get, what walk? dinner dog? What do you do? Do you compliment them, or is that when you go straight for I've got to get a beverage? What help walk me through what happens when you get stuck in a trap? Uh, generally speaking, I my go to, and I can't believe I'm saying this for everyone to steal, <laughs> but my go to is to like create havoc with the kids. So it's like if that's ha- if I'm like if she's got her sights on me and I'm in I'm in trouble. Like I've done it before. I'll just pinch one of them, you know. I'll just pinch one of the kids, and then they look like I'm like, "Ow, that hurt!" And I'm like, "It was your sister." And then yeah. they fight, and then I'm like, <laughs> "I leave the room." And then so you it just say, I'm creates going... some other chaos. Um, oh man, so much has happened in the last two months. Like, my son is in a good. He's in a good spot. He's in his first good spot since I think. That's that's apparently. I mean, I'm a new dad, but Brian, you're than mine yeah i I mean i i think we had a good conversation because i warned you i said there's gonna become a time when you're gonna run said at four months he almost left and (laughs) at four months i almost left because they, they go through these spurts and right now like our kid naps well like he's he's seemingly happy i know all of this stuff changes but it was like two months ago when we were kind of going we we still didn't we naps were down for a while and then they were chaos. Like he wasn't napping again. And Dinker dog goes, dude, I know you don't want any of my advice. You've seen the way my kids turned out. <laughs> Jesus. Put, 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 just put your kid down and let him cry. Like the wife's not going to like it. You're not going to like it. Turn off the monitor, go outside, have six beers, just put the kid down and let him cry. And I texted him that day and I was like, dude, he cried for 10 minutes and then he put himself to sleep. I, and I was like, I could really get used to like Dinger's hands-off, minimalist parenting approach. Like it, it works. Like just kind of like let them do their own thing. That's Dinger Dog's, that's Dinger Dog's line of parenting books. They're their own person. Kind of let them do their own thing. Dinger Dog's minimalist. Uh, it's it's super unpopular here in the Clintonville, but I, I honestly, <laughs> I have like I. My, when I think about if this is what I should be doing for my kids or not, I think about what would our what it would be like if we were, say, on the Oregon Trail or Oregon Trail, like. Spit it out! What happened? Did PlayStation we lose fives? You? And they didn't. Are we? I'm talking. I'm talking. Oh, I think you went out for a split second. Oh, that Clintonville internet. No, oh, oh man, that's actually eight megabits per second, right? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Right, right. You get you get a lot better internet out there in the sticks. Do you get your internet from satellite chunk? Gosh, I don't outside know. The loop. It's expensive and it works. It's not <laughs> like a bunch. It's not like four scientists with tinfoil and uh, a bunch of hippies. Okay, what were you saying? <laughs> just, 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 just the, like I use the like Oregon Trail method of parenting. Like, if if they wouldn't have got it when they were on the Oregon Trail, then they don't get it from me. Like, there was no baby monitors then. You know. There, if the, if you had to cross the river, you forded the river. I don't know. I'm I'm just talking mess now. But they these kids get everything. That's it. That's that they get everything. Let them forest forage and hunt for their own food. Yeah. Let, let, let them crawl around I mean, until they find the bottom. You also had twelve kids back then because like eight of them were gonna die before they got to be teenage years. <laughs> I I I've actually, for the record, it's not a good idea to tell that to your kids like 
the the reason we have two kids is just so we can come out of this with one. <laughs> so let, let's let's wrap this up with uh, how everybody's Christmas was. Uh, my favorite part about Christmas is always is always the lights and always the decorations inside. Dinger Dog, I don't mean to zero in on you. <laughs> Did you guys put up a tree this year? What do you do? What do you do? Do you hang a tree upside down for science? Help me out here. Um, Hang a tree upside down for science. Yeah, like as I was walking around outside and I thought to myself, you know, all these houses have all these great Christmas lights. But I was like, don't you think that you should be forced to put up lights that are based on your denomination, like what your faith is? Like, like this guy has brown lights, so he's Lutheran. And this guy has white lights, so he's, you know, Episcopalian. So Dinger Dog, with that being said, in your heathen ways, uh, how, 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 how? How would your house be decorated outside and inside? Like, well, upside-down cross? Help me out here. <laughs> there would be no upside-down cross. Dinger went to the Catholic school when he was a kid, and then afterward, he said, never again. Like, uh, never again. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> the delicate talk here. So, back to the decorations. Uh, no, we did not go out and murder a tree for no reason. You heathen, and I'm the heathen for not murdering a tree. Oh, this, uh, no, but we do we do lots of smaller trees, but nothing, but they're all fake. Um, you should see the one that's like a jade house plant. Yeah, they're, yeah, it it doesn't go with the whole motif. I I've never put up Christmas lights. I my growing what? up, my, I don't do like. They them. allow Christmas lights in in Clintonville. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> They allow whatever you want in Clintonville, unlike your neighborhood, where if you have to mow no the lawns, Christmas lights. Yeah, they don't even mow the lawns in Clintonville. No it's Christmas fine. lights. High taxes, low quality schools, old houses. <laughs> they ought to make a Christmas a tourism video for Clintonville, like the like the Cleveland. You remember those Cleveland tourism videos? I, I I'm I'm personally offended by by the way you talk about my my neighborhood. I uh, did uh, one last story. I did do Dinger uh, on the shelf this year. Every year I do. Uh, I have a doll that looks exactly like Dinger Dog, like to a T, and he just gets into mischief. And it's I'm usually so excited of it. Dinger did 12 days. He did not do 24 days. And there are so many nativity scenes in this house. And everybody kept on saying, oh, that's sacrilegious. You know, don't have Dinger, you know, selling stuff at the birth of the baby Jesus. And don't don't allude to the fact that maybe Dinger was the father, was, you know, like stepped in and like Joseph didn't do anything. Dinger actually one night stand with Mary. Like everybody was I got like, it. I got it. You, you were hinting around there. And then you, just, you said maybe they didn't get the hint. Let me let me. Let me put that nail right out there and smash it with this hammer. All right. Well, that was fun for half an hour. Let's uh, let's take a quick break. We're going to have a commercial from our sponsor, and then uh, we'll be back with video games. Uh, guys, I don't know about you, but uh, during the pandemic i like to have a little bit more libations than usual. Uh, it's just, there's nothing to do, you know? Like, you get home from work, it's 5 o'clock, there's no TV, there's no movies, you know, you have a kid, so you're already really, really stressed out. Um, 
and you just need something to pass the time. And I discovered seltzers, I don't know, about six months ago. Yeah, Are they're we great. talking about like LaCroix or what here? Oh, you know, the nice Truly, the nice uh, uh, Bud Light seltzer, uh, the nice um, – but we're talking about the afternoon yap seltzer and the seltzer of the month. Now, get this. The seltzer of the month program by afternoon yap – oh, by um, moral, moral implications. implications. It's a different six-pack that's sent to your house every day. It's the same flavor every day, all month long. You're going to get seltzer so every minute. single I've, day. I've, deliver- I've, had like a, I've had a salsa of the month club before, and they sent me one they jar They sent you of salsa, salsa every single day, right? No, for they, an no, entire they month. Me, no, they just sent me one jar of salsa for that month to like well, what try are you gonna, during So, I mean, a salsa you can get through in 20 minutes. So what are you going to do for the rest of the month? I don't understand. A uh, six-pack of seltzer, I can... I've watched Dinger Dog finish in front of me in, in five minutes. So oh, that, what that good, like, good catch there. Blame the dog. The month going to do if they just send me one six pack. It's a six pack every day, but it's the same flavor the entire month. And that way you're able to function. <laughs> what is the problem here? Dinger Dog. It, the, it's, it's, uh, it's $2,400 a month. So it's very reasonable. I mean, seltzers are expensive. Right, but and one, I mean that's within your budget as it is now. <laughs> one month it's cherry, one month it's mango. You know, after five months, Dinger, you can decide about buying a car. You know, it's it's kind of <laughs> like it's one of those situations. What is your problem? It's twenty four hundred dollars. What did we say every month? Uh, yeah, twenty four hundred dollars a month, uh, and you, you so that gives you six to eighteen hundred seltzers. It's what a deal. <laughs> Buy one right now. Hello and welcome back to the second segment of the Afternoon Yap. Now we're going to talk about some video games. We are going to do our top 10 uh, game of the year. Uh, me and Malpal, we wrote our own top 10 list out. And to keep things moving smoothly, um, we're going to start at 10 all the way to our number one. And uh, me and Zach have about five games that overlap. So uh, we'll, we'll be skipping games here and there. Um, but let's dive right into it with my top 10 and, can, uh, can, I, can I ask a question before we start? Sure, please. Yes, do. Hey, hey, Brian. Yeah, yeah. Why, why are you here? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, why am I here, Chunk? Brian, Brian played a handful of these games. Okay, okay. Dinger, I just... Dinger, what games did you play this year besides <laughs> Among Us, Roblox, and uh, Fortnite? I didn't. I didn't play Among Us. What? Or, I what web-based flash porn games? Have you been playing? I didn't even know that they still had a new grounds that you could play those games on. I didn't even know what you're talking about. You're you're, you're attacking me, but you're actually attacking yourself. Yes, yes, yes. Dinger says trap sprung. Yes, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, The new Call of Duty game, uh, World at what is it? Malpal, Call of Duty Black. Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. So is that your number ten? That's my number ten. What a dumb title. Um, Yeah, they're they're getting way too many you know, extensions to that name at this point. This game is on my list. This game is on Malpow's list. Um, it barely made it. Um, it's on this list because usually I can play Call of Duty with a smile on and usually have a good time. But it's impossible for me to review this game without 
comparing it to last year's iteration, which was the new Modern Warfare. So Modern Warfare was supposed to be a, a, like a throwback to uh, the game that we got back in 2007. This is supposed to be a throwback to or a remake or a reimagining of the first Black Ops game. Uh, we see a lot of that in the campaign. Uh, it it kind of deals with... Um, Malpal, help me out here. It, we we so I mean it it goes more into and so just for consistency, like so I actually had this at number six. So I actually like this I think a little bit more than Justin did, but it, it was more of a. They definitely went back because like the last couple they've not had very good campaigns or no campaign at all, uh, single player campaign at all. In the case I think of the last one, um, this one they Modern, went Modern back Warfare for, had a pretty good campaign. Sorry, yeah. the the Black Ops games specifically. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, no, I would, the, the last, last year's Call of Duty, I thought had a very good campaign, but no, so the Black Ops games kind of fell away from focus on the single player and were more just about the multiplayer. This one goes much more back to the original where it has, as I thought, a very strong campaign and it dealt with kind of like the original Black Ops, more of like, you've got a character that's maybe not, you know, an unreliable narrator. It's, it's somebody who clearly has had some kind of messing about with their memory and mind control experiments and, and that kind of a- angle on it. This is actually yes. a game that I played and I, um, I want to chime in because I thought it, the, I, I'm not a big call of duty fan. Cause I, I, I like games with, with story. And this is one of the better, um, one of the better stories I think of the call of duty franchise. Um, and it was, I, I want to throw this out here because I'm a movie guy, but it was actually written by, um, David S. Goyer who you might know um, the, from writing the Dark Knight trilogy with uh, Christopher Nolan. I did not know any of that. I, I think that the campaign is just, <laughs> I think the campaign is just fine. It's serviceable. I think that it was done in better in Black Ops 1 and Black Ops 2. It, it, it kind of retreads familiar stuff. So we're, we're, we're going back to Vietnam with, with levels that are in Vietnam. We're going back to, to Russia with flashbacks in Russia. Um, I thought that they just did that stuff better in the first Black Ops. But then again, you know, we're comparing apples and oranges. And, and it's hard for me to compare this game to that game because the first Black Ops was the first Call of Duty game that I fell in love with. But I, go ahead. I just don't understand how, like, this is, you know, everybody on the show that listens knows that I'm cheap and you can make all your jokes. But I, why, why would you buy, I mean, what's different about one Call of Duty this year than the one that will come out next year. I mean, is there enough different? Like, I can't, I can't stop playing Fortnite because it's free. But is there enough difference for Call of Duty Black Ops Seven Back to Vietnam Boogaloo than for the <laughs> next one? Like, yeah, I mean, all new multiplayer maps, an all new campaign, and then usually, it, depending on what uh, developer made it, like this one has zombies in it. The zombie games have never done anything for me. So I haven't even touched it. Malpow, do, do you want to touch base on this? Because I know that you I mean, so I enjoy them. I'm not like hardcore into them the way that, there are some people that are just like gigantic fans of that more so than any other aspect of Call of Duty even. Um, I'm not that far into it, but I, I, I enjoy them. I, I think I, in general, and it'll come up elsewhere on this list, I like multiplayer co-op even more so than like PVP for the, for the most part. And so I've always enjoyed those modes. So I think they did another good release of Zombies with that. Dog, going to your question, it's really more of, if you're just looking at the multiplayer, no, there's probably not really that much difference 
if you're talking about the mainline, and this is where it gets into that mess of the naming and everything, the like mainline Call of Duty games and the mainline Black Ops games, the multiplayer doesn't change that much entry to entry, but those two are almost like two different series in the way they feel. And this one, and I did play some of the multiplayer in this one and really enjoyed it, but it's a very much kind of more of a throwback feel and it's very different than like last year's Call of Duty. You know, yeah, I believe different main developers and stuff. So they kind of have different philosophies on how to do that multiplayer. Yeah, I believe the the sound advice that Zach gave me was, oh, this game is a little bit harder with more precise shooting. So I can understand why Chunk would struggle. Uh, multiplayer stages are fine, but they only came with seven at launch. So you're going to be seeing the same maps over and over. My biggest complaint with this game is just the content that is available at launch. It's just it's not ready. And, and it, it goes to show that a lot of the real work went into last year's Modern Warfare. I mean, last year we got Modern Warfare, we got Warzone, and they kept on bringing the content. This, the, it, it just, it didn't launch with, it only launched with one Zombies map. Now, I know that that map is pretty sprawling, but, and then it only launched with seven multiplayer maps. So, I have a good time when I play this game online, but I, I can't binge it, number one. And number two, it's... It's a step back in in almost every regard. So it, the 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 engine doesn't look anywhere near as last year's iteration in terms of graphics. And uh, the I just I don't feel like these maps or the gameplay is as strong. Um, that being said, it did have some really really good missions. Uh, I'm I think I'm trying to think of the Russian embassy mission was really really good and memorable. That was almost like a hitman level. Like they, they went, they really had a good variety with the single player missions of it not just being, you know, your standard kind of linear first person shooter map. Like they they had some missions that really, um, you know, changed things around in terms of how you were moving through them and everything. Uh, so I'm enjoying it a little bit. I'm playing it. I played it last night. Uh, that's my number 10. Anybody else have anything else they want to add? Nope. Uh, Zach, Malpa. Yes, so my number, number 10, 10 uh, was uh, a game called Deep Rock Galactic. Um, so this is, I believe, a PC-only, at least so far, co-op first-person shooter. So uh, this is one that I had played in early access for a while, and then um, it finally released this year, which is why it's on the list. So. Uh, basically, the, the setup of it is you are space dwarves mining a hostile planet full of bug aliens. Um, that pretty space, much should tell you. Space yes. dwarves. Space <laughs> dwarves. Mining the alien. I, just, I know Dinger's yes. on the. I'm not the one making fun. I know Dinger's on the other end. You going, can, and you then can they throw deliver up the your, potions. You can throw up your pickaxe and yell, Rock and Stone, brother. And you can <laughs> buy each other beers at the hub. No bullshit. In between missions. Um, so yeah, so it, it's basically, uh, you know, it has a very cool procedurally generated cave system that you go down to and you're, you're doing these missions to basically go mine minerals, you know, your dwarves, that's your thing. Or like recover old, um, you know, wrecked uh, mining technology or, or something like that. And so they have these, it's these procedurally generated cave systems, kind of like if you think like Minecraft in terms of it being generated by an algorithm. So it's different every time. They do have some different like types of mines or, or cave systems you might go to. So some might have like a strong wind blowing through them that is like some kind of environmental concern. Or there's other ones that have like uh, radioactive stuff. So you know there's some 
and, and, and depending on that type of cave, you might have different enemies. So there's, it, it does, you know, change things up a little bit with that, with that. but on, they're destructible. On. So like with Minecraft, like you can, to move around through these caves, you may be doing things like digging holes through walls or creating platforms to jump around on. So it's kind of fun from that aspect. The other thing I really like about it is it has like really distinct player classes that have like very different weapons and have very different abilities that'll help you do things like moving around that cave or an engineer can throw down um, turrets to help protect you when you're getting a wave of these bug aliens and things like that. Um, so yeah, just all around a really cool cooperative FPS. Um, and uh, yeah, so that that's my number 10. Dinger, Dinger sounded like he was trying to interject. Dinger, what did you want to add? Oh, I, I just, I think the moment is gone, but you know, so like the difference in one cave to the other is a strong wind. Yeah, so there's ones that are no, but so there's like environmental things. So like no, one listen, of them is, it's cool. No, there's like a so there's like a strong wind blowing through certain parts of the cave. So if you jump into the wind stream, it's gonna you know blow you around the cave. Oh, I know. I'm I'm just being yeah. difficult because that was actually the direction that I just got via chunk on a text. He said be difficult. So uh, um, save and, save us is what I <laughs> so no. Stop. Um, I'm kidding. That was that's not true. That that's um. The other thing is, when you first said it, I thought you actually, I want to play a game where you go to a hostile bug planet and you actually mine the bugs. Like, whatever the bugs have in them is what you're, like, is that what, you don't mind the actual bugs, you mind minerals or something. Um. So, no, but you do sometimes, like, they send you after, like, particular flora and fauna, so, like, go get a bunch of this type of bug egg. Okay. Like wants, Dinger wants to transform into one of the bugs. And then mate with one of the bugs, kind of like uh, what was that one movie that Avatar. James Cameron Avatar? <laughs> oh, Avatar. <laughs> Where she says I, they have not released the expansion that allows you to play as the bugs, but I, I guess that could be a thing. My favorite. It'd <laughs> be like Alien versus Predator, but with dwarves. My favorite scene in Avatar is when he turns into an alien and he sleeps with the alien and she's like, "Now we can be together forever." And he goes, "Oh!" He pulls his collar. <laughs> does he literally pull his collar? I think he does. No, no. Oh. Uh, number nine. <laughs> uh, Dinger Dog, I think you played this game over at my house. Number nine is Dreams. Uh, it's an exclusive for PlayStation. This is made by uh, Media Molecule, which is uh, the Little Big Planet developer. Uh, this is a game where you can make your own video games. And uh, I, I had a lot of fun with this game when it came out. It has got a beautiful art style. It is pretty obtuse when it comes to learning how to make the games. I honestly, I went through all the tutorials and it was just so above my head that I, I, I wasn't in the market to try to even make video games for myself. But basically any kind of media that you can think of, somebody has made a video game for. I, I played a uh, Silent Hill game. Somebody remade the 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 level from, um, I can't think of that one. Uh, Silent Hills. Somebody remade that game in Dreams. So a, a lot of different. Uh, somebody remade the first handful of levels from Super Mario 64. Somebody remade the first handful of levels from the Sonic games. It's just it's this creative tool set for people to go in there and to basically just make whatever they want to. Uh, the the problem is is there's just not enough you there's there's tons of content. But there's just not that many users making the content. So, um, but it's a great game to just turn on, 
turn your brain off and just like I played games where people recreated Doom and and the original content that people have made, not even when they're ripping stuff off. I played some games that were they were making a haunted house that were excellent. And now the game is in VR. And it's a shame that I don't I never got a PlayStation VR because I think that's, that it would. That's the wife. No, at this point, I don't want one because the tech is like four or five years old. And I would rather just wait for the PlayStation 5 VR. But Dinger Dog, did you play this game at all at my house? I think so. I think I maybe played a Godzilla level. And that was oh, really yeah. Fun. yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. That one was pretty good. It just and and I love that the way that all the levels are are grouped together. So you can look at like best made levels of the week, best made levels of the month, best made levels of all time. And then people make scenes from movies. They make soundtracks and stuff. Uh, it's just it's a super super interesting. I just don't think it ever really caught on. Um, Dinger, are you are you wrapping presents right now? Yeah. What are you doing, Dinger? Me? Yes. I was. Uh... <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't know that. I thought I was sorry. You might want to mute yourself. I well, so so I got this. Speaking of Christmas presents, I, you know, I got the most bad Christmas present of all time, which is like a portable car charger battery. You know, and I was just, I hadn't gotten a chance to open it yet. Oh, it. Right now, right now is when you think is a good time. I thought I was muted. I'm sorry. Oh, it's fucking loud, dinger dog. Uh, not pal. But, but listen. Shut you, up. Shut up. <laughs> I don't want to hear you explain why you thought it was okay. What's your number nine, Zach? Pal? <laughs> My number nine is uh, Resident Evil 3 Remake. Um, so I don't have a, a ton to say about this one. Basically, um, you know, Resident Evil 2 Remake was excellent last year. Um, this one, you know, same high quality remake, same spit and polish. Um, it's kind of cool that they clearly have like a good engine that they can develop for it quickly because they turn this around in a year. Um, so I'm really interested in where that goes going forward. And it was maybe a little bit weaker than the RE2 remake only because I think just RE3 was just not quite as good as RE2. And again, they, they did a good job of really recreating it. So um, but in general, a lot of fun to play and still like looked in. And, you know, the, the gameplay and everything was was really tight. So, uh, yeah, that was my number nine. This game's on my list, too. And uh, my issues with this is it's it was clearly made as DLC because and this game was clearly made concurrently with Resident Evil 2. If you go back and you play Resident Evil 2, it is a completely fleshed out, well done game where they take the original source content and remake every aspect of it. They give you both scenarios in this. There are whole areas missing from resident evil three and the game came out a year later and they tried to kind of say that it was worth full price by tacking on a um a multiplayer game on this that i never even you know i tried a little oh, bit it wasn't very good before. i i tried it a couple of times and again i, I like co-op fps or, or i guess it'd be third person but co-op shooters are a thing that i enjoy and it was it was a mess but yeah, it's missing whole sections from Resident Evil 3. The, the was it really? Maybe I yep. just haven't played RE3 yep. in a long time. I, I, played RE, I played RE3, I don't know, six months or so, the original, before this came out, just because I was excited to play it. And they're, they're missing whole bosses. And, and they didn't do any of that with Resident Evil 2. I mean, they 
they they gave you that game plus more content. So, you know, I think that this game was definitely worth twenty nine ninety nine. Uh, but as a sixty dollar game, it, it's 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 also hard to just compare this to Resident Evil Two, which was just so well done. Resident Evil Three is is still really fun. It's but, you know, Nemesis isn't really chasing you in this game. There's a couple of scripted events where he follows you. But once you once you uh, do like one of the I don't know, the objectives, he basically stops following you. And then he stops following you all together about halfway through the game. So kind of that 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 the fear of him coming to get you at any time really isn't there, especially after you've played the game once, because you kind of know when he's going to come after you. But yeah. I am super looking forward to the to the 4 remake. I don't, you know, 4 is so, you know, so well-loved that I think that they're going to give it the 2 treatment. And not that, the- that's kind of, and that's kind of like, I think it's, it is a good sign, whatever its shortcomings, that they like clearly have like a solid engine and like a solid development pipeline and stuff. You know, maybe this one wasn't as well fleshed out as RE2 remake, but like it certainly like graphically still looked really well. Like the the gameplay was still really good. Like it, you know, the the controls and everything were good. So I think they put themselves in a place to to really do RE4 justice. Yeah, uh, my number eight, and this game love hate relationship with it. Doom Eternal. Uh, the sequel to uh, shit. What was the? Was it just Doom? The one that came uh, out. Just Doom. Yeah. So, and this one, just whoever's keeping score at home, uh, this is my number five spot. Is this one? Mouse number five. My number eight. Uh, core gameplay loop. Incredibly challenging and satisfying. Um, some of my gripes with this game is it, there's a huge emphasis on platforming, and there's a there the a very big emphasis on platforming. There's also an emphasis on puzzles. Now, I understand why they put this into this. This is an incredibly, this is a game where you have to focus. I, I couldn't play this, I couldn't binge this game. I would play a level and you have to pay attention so hard because it's it's such a difficult game that I would just be worn out after an hour yes, or two hours. Yes, absolutely. That's probably the biggest issue I had with it was that I felt like it was almost like it was the levels were padded a little bit where they would throw in these really difficult fights like a little too often. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Like you just get, you'd have to just be laser focused to like, and you, at the end of it, you'd just be like hand sweating, like, holy shit. Like, you know, I got to like go play something else for a while. Yeah. If those levels would have been cut in half and we'd have had double the amount of missions, I think that it would have felt more rewarding. But, I mean, you'd get halfway through a level and you're, you know, 45 minutes in and you're like, good God. And you have no concept of when you're going to get to the checkpoint and the, and the level is going to end. And these are some very, very difficult firefights. Uh, another issue for me is, and I know that Malpow didn't run into this, is this is a game that it's very much based on pinpoint accuracy and, and enemy strategies. And with a mouse, you can be very, very precise and you can get past some of these incredibly difficult enemies with a controller. You don't have that. What, what are the enemies that I, that show up in one or in a pair and they can just make you groan? I mean, there's, there's, there's a bunch of them because all of them have like pinpoint weak spots. Um, and that's something like, yeah, I, I played this with mouse and keyboard on the PC, I honestly, if I had tried to play it with a controller, I doubt I would have enjoyed it as much because it would be so hard to like 
I mean, like the the one I think they had in a lot of the promotional stuff. So it's no big spoiler. Was with the uh, um, the the spider brain. Uh, I don't remember what the exact name of the monster. The arach- is. The arachnid or the ra- yeah, know. something like that. But so it spider has, mastermind. Like, the, spider mastermind. Spider mastermind. There we go. So it's got the turret on the top that you have to take out. And if you take it out quickly, like it like greatly reduces the threat of that enemy. And again, with like a mouse, it's it's not that hard to to nail those shots. But like with a controller, especially because you have to like keep moving. Like in that game, you can't sit still or you're just going to get absolutely destroyed in that game. So like you have like very short amount of time to make precise shots. So yeah, that that was something just playing it. I can only imagine trying to do that with a controller. It'd be like way more difficult. Did the Marauders, were the Marauders in the first one? Because they're the enemies that I was talking about. And well, there, every was, time, there was one. Every time like they would show boss. up, I would. He was like a mini boss in the first one. Like it was like a big like showdown thing. And they just show up out of nowhere constantly in uh, in the in Doom Eternal. Like they're just in any random fight, all of a sudden they show up. And they patched that that enemy too because i i played through most of the dlc and the uh, the opening to stun him is longer so which makes a lot i mean probably on on pc he's a lot easier but on you know he would show up and i'd be like oh my god this bastard again and the problem is is he would show up at the very end of a 10 minute firefight and and they don't there's no checkpoints in the middle of these big long firefights so if you lose a 15 minute long firefight that's grueling that you have to pay attention to. It starts you all the way at the beginning. And I, I, I know that this game is supposed to be a throwback to the punishing era of the nineties, but I just, I thought that that they could have changed that a little bit. I, for I feel a better like they experience. really, they really focused making this game for like the like hardcore fan player, which like on one hand, like, you know, kudos. I, I like that they did that, but I feel like they went too far with it. Like the, I feel like Doom, like the the what was it 2016 release or whatever Doom, um, like really nailed that sweet spot where it was like if you were precise and like a really good shooter with it, you could go through it easier. But even if you weren't so you know focused on it, you could still like advance through the game. This one is a lot more grueling. And I feel like I almost quit the game a handful of times, but you really see some cool locations toward the end of the game. Like oh, some yeah, the, really... the level design and stuff is still awesome. Like, I mean, it, it made you still want to go through it. Like, and the sound and everything. Like, it's just, it's, it's a badass feeling game when you're, like, really nailing it. My problem was, is I remember the story being pretty rock solid and for Doom, a little bit grounded in the first one. And this one... We're to, we go to different planets, different dimensions. Like it really, I, I don't know if they just didn't have a story arc when they began making these games and now they're kind of reaching for one. But what did you think in terms, and the storytelling isn't really there. There's a whole lot. You can pick up stuff and read it and it'll fill in the gaps, but I never do that. I mean, you really have to do that like that, like to get the story. And, and again, that's, you know, the way they went with it, you know, could they have put more in game, it more in game play, you know, story, maybe. Um, the other thing I will say is, is that the first DLC, which I think we both played, fleshes it out a lot more and it seems like they maybe learned that lesson and made it more direct as you're playing through it, you're getting more of the story, even without all the little pickups. So I wonder if they've kind of, as they go forward here, they'll adjust to that. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for the third one, but really this game was like more is more 
you know, and I think that they need to tweak some aspects, make the levels a little less long, make, you know, give us some more cutscenes. Uh, I don't know. And, and I didn't really, lo- I, I wasn't, I don't know how you played it, but I wasn't crazy about like all the upgrades. Like I eventually upgraded stuff, but I, I think I just kept on using the same. You basically use whatever weapons you have because the firefights are so long. You don't have, I don't, I don't know. I just felt like it was like I would use all the ammo in one gun and just go to the next one because the levels are so tense and so, you know, like white knuckle that it's not like, oh, I'm going to use this or I'm going to only use eight bullets of this and then go to the next one. So I, I in terms of the upgrades for the weapons, I, I just kind of I thought that was kind of an afterthought, but I might be wrong on that. I don't know how you played it. Yeah, no, I enjoyed that aspect of it. Uh, <clears throat> it's they continue to try and keep that stuff fresh so that they didn't make it exactly like the last game. Uh, Malpal, your number eight star so, Wars squadron. And I know Dinger can talk about this too, but let me hear your thoughts. Yeah. So I was a huge fan and, you know, caveat going in, whatever, this is my personal list. I was a huge fan of the uh, classic X-wing tie fighter games back on PC back in the day. Um, so I was really looking forward to this and it's an incredibly looking game. Um, I love that. Like if you're in cock, cockpit mode and uh i've even played it a little bit in vr it has like a functional cockpit like all the readouts are actually reading out things that you know are useful information if you wanted to play like without the um heads up display um i guess my my big drawbacks for it were it it didn't fully commit to a single player campaign one of the things that was great in the old x-wing and especially the old tie fighter game was it had a really cool long campaign um, and this one, the, the missions they did were really cool, but it, it was just a, overall a shorter single-player campaign. It seemed like they, uh, I wonder if they were in a kind of fight, the developers, over making it single-player at all. Because it almost feels, and they priced it, what was it, $40, so it was priced a little less too. Um, so I think maybe they were originally looking at it more as just multiplayer only. So I wish they they fleshed that out more, um, but just a, a really great-looking game. I actually broke out a joystick to play it like that again on PC. Um, and it just, you know, had a high nostalgic factor for me, just going back to playing some of those old games uh, back in the day. Jinger, what were, what were some of your thoughts? I know that you played a few missions of it. Not much. I think you played a couple of dog fights, but you're a star Wars fan. You're a huge flight sim fan. Are oh, you still God. there? The flight sims. Come on. I just don't like flight sim. It just you love, you love star Fox. What are you talking about? Yeah, but I guess, Pilot games, whatever, flight sim games are so hard to get right. Like you have, it's all about the controls. And if you don't get the controls exactly right, I'm, I'm in or out. And so I maybe didn't play this game enough to, to master the controls. So I found myself running into asteroids more than, uh, more than, t- you know, shooting down Tie Fighters. So I don't know. Maybe with a few more hours, and maybe if I bothered to buy it, it would be a win eh, to me. It's, and I don't, yeah, like kind of to Miles' point, there wasn't a lot of story to keep me keep me vested, so eh, I give it a meh. Yeah, I give it a meh, too. And I um, I think if I were in Malpau's shoes, where I could play it with a yoke and with it, it has VR support, I think that, and playing it more like an arcade game, um, I think that would be a wonderful experience. But for it me... Would make a really, it would make a really good arcade game. I hope they actually they make that, because... Then you could actually, because it's, it's, you know, it's a big ask to have people go out and get joysticks and stuff just for this one game. Um, 
but that really, I think control-wise, that helped a bunch. And then like just being able to, to, in VR, to look at it in the first person where you're actually seeing this cool functional cockpit, I think that, that makes a big difference. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the campaign of it is basically a tutorial for the online multiplayer. And, you know, they priced it accordingly. They priced it 40 bucks to get more people playing. But it honestly, it looks great. It sounds great. But the gameplay couldn't get me past a weekend. So that's why it didn't make my top 10 list. But I 100% understand it making your list if you're playing it on PC, especially with the setup that you have. Um, my number seven, and I'll need a little bit of help with, from this with Mouthpal, uh, the new Assassin's Creed game, Valhalla. Uh, this... So with the Assassin's Creed series, I played all of them up until three and then they got kind of saney. And so I took a big, long break and didn't come back to the series until Assassin's Creed Origins, which I absolutely loved. Um, played all the way through Origins. Odyssey, I played about halfway through and I kind of just got bored and walked away from it. That's kind of where I'm at right now. And I want that to change. But some of the things that I do love about the game is it's easily the best looking and best written game in the series so far. So it's clear that the developers got a huge budget to actually write well-written stories and missions and, and, and basically all the, uh, the characters that you run into. Uh, the missions have been streamlined. So the game doesn't seem so overwhelming with its systems and mechanics. You would get... I don't know, a third of the way into Odyssey. And there's just so many different things that you can go out and do and markers on your map that it's completely overwhelming. I think, Mapa, you said it felt like an MMO in that regard, so, right? So, yeah, I mean, so I kind of had a similar arc with you where I played up through, actually, I think I did play, I played all the way through Black Flag. So that was kind of four. So, like, I got through that, and then I did play a little bit of Origins. I, I skipped the next uh, the Syndicate and whatever the French Revolution one was. I skipped those two. Got in in Origins, really liked Origins. They, they still continue, and in this game, I think, to a lesser extent, because there's fewer, like, giant ancient monuments. But, you know, they do such a good job of really recreating the feel of the places that set it with, you know, the, even the day-to-day -day life. Um I so I liked Origins, but kind of fell off because it felt like more MMO, like you were saying, where it was just like a giant sprawling open world that had, oh, okay, I can get this, you know, ads of plus one. You know, it was all these, you know, oh, okay, this is a blue this, so I'm going to trash that. But oh, there's a purple whatever over there. I should go get that. You know, it became almost more of like a loot game. And my problem with this game is Origins was just a beautiful location. To, I mean, it's Egypt and it's like gorgeous. You know, you, you've got the you've got the I know you're doing with this, <laughs> the pyramids. And and I just I loved the setting of that game. This game is Europe and it's swampy, marshy Europe. And <laughs> it's, it's the just, Bog Island, which is the UK. It's just kind of like Witcher did it better. You know, I I I I no, no, I mean, no. I feel like your hatred of Europe has come up in the past. There's, like, there's just know. not much variety. I And I keep on seeing like a snowy mountain that I'm wondering if I'm going to get to. And I'm dying to get there because you really just are in the woods all the time. And it's. The, I mean, the, it's, you know, it really it's it's, you know, the, it's Britain. Like that's the area it is. And 
maybe this is like the flip side of them doing a good job of really recreating the general environment is it's just kind of a less interesting environment. Um, I feel like that's Assassin's Creed though. Like the first Assassin's Creed one and two, like you were in like an old city in Jerusalem. And then the second one you're in, you know, all these incredible cities in Rome and, and, and I feel like that is part of the love of these games is the architecture. And, and this, it's just, I, I do love the, the idea that we're running around is, uh, uh, Vikings, you know, and there's a drinking game in it. And yeah. they're, I mean, they're, I, I think they, so I, I agree. The setting is just a little bit weaker. And I think that's just the setting itself. Um, I really like this one though, because I think it really, it pulled back a little bit from that big open world, just MMO feel of the last two to being a little more focused. I like the fact that all the little side missions you can come across, all the little interesting things out in the world, they do a good job of being like, okay, you're going to do this thing for like five, 10 minutes and run around the general area. I'm not going to send you on some quest all the way across the world to figure something out to, to end this little vignette. There's actually like a, it's a little more bite-sized. Like it's easy to jump in and play for a bit and just say, oh, I'll do that. It'll take another 10 minutes, you know, versus I think on the last two, you would get those little side quests, but it would just be, they'd be too long. It'd be too much traveling for too little reward. Where this, they can just have, you know, just like a little little snippet of story. One last thing. I feel like the eagle in this game is worthless. Like the, the eagle in the last two games. The raven? You, yeah, I do. The raven. I, I you call the raven and he would tell you exactly what to do. And in this, he kind of just has a bird's eye view and kind of gives you an idea of where to go. And I was like, I don't, just take it out at that point. Because there's already an arrow that's telling me exactly where to go. And so the raven just, it's its useless. I mean, it is him. like Norse mythology. So they're just like, we have to put a raven in there, damn it. Like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I agree. I think that was a little less functional. But I mean, again, it's all kind of little nitpicks. But I think like overall, I, I really enjoyed the game. Uh, Malpal, what's your number seven? We'll wrap it up and we'll have a commercial. But what is your number seven? So sir? my number seven was Amnesia Rebirth. Yes. So, um, I really enjoyed this one. Uh, uh, so this was uh, Amnesia. This is from Frictional Games. They did the original Amnesia Dark Descent. And then their last game was, uh, the last big one I think was Soma, which I enjoyed a great deal. I thought that was an excellent sci-fi horror game. Um, so the Frictional Games crew always have like really great, like really big ideas, but you know, it's always been a little bit um, rocky in how they get them out there. I feel like this is really where they're starting to hit a point where it, it's moving smoother and you can really see what they're going for in a way that that's like immersive. The story was really excellent. Um, I'm trying to be really careful to not give spoilers, but like you're, you're playing effectively as um, a woman who was part of a mining expedition. So this is set in the 1930s. A mining expedition in like the North African desert area. I think like Syria, Libya, or it'd be Libya, I think. Um, anyway, uh, and you end up in a plane crash and then you're just trying to figure out what happened from there. Um, the art design is really excellent. Uh, and they just, you know, they have a lot that they play with in terms of, you know, insanity and um, I'll say like weird fiction, that kind of setting. And that's always been their thing. Like with Dark Descent, there's some ties of this to the original, but you don't have to have played the original. They're just kind of um, shout outs to it. Um, 
And uh, yeah, I just I really enjoyed it and felt like they they're really starting to nail the, these games, and I'm really interested in seeing where they go in the future. I'm uh I, I this is a game I played. I'm obsessed with Amnesia. Uh, Chunk, I'm shocked. You love horror. You love psychological horror. What have you not played these games? You know, I was going to buy this game, and all the reviews that I saw said uh, this is a game that you really, really, really need to pay attention when you're playing it. I was like, I'm out. <laughs> well, Sorry. And it's very puzzle driven, which I just I I'm not a big fan of puzzle games. They, I always feel like every time I run into a puzzle in a video game, I'm just wasting my time. So <laughs> I I really did want to play this game. I actually. Like I had it on like our schedule for the app to review, and when the reviews started coming out, I was I was you know I'll wait till it's free on Game Pass and I'll give it a shot then. Um, I did play um, what was the last one called March of Pigs or yeah Bay of Pigs well, so or... that was actually a different developer I think, but it, it, it was that was an Amnesia game. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't it wasn't nearly as good as as the first one. Um, yeah, or this and I one. played some of, and I played some of the first one as well. Um, but yeah, and and. and I I struggle with horror games where you can't fight back to that's you know like Outlast and um, there's there's a oh Alien uh, um, Isolation just uh, horror games where you you basically have no other option but to run but I know that um, I, I'll I'll definitely get to this game at some point. The puzzles are a lot easier in this one than the previous. Did you feel that as well, Malpal? Yeah, I would say that I don't think any of them. Well, I'm like this is like a almost meta commentary, but like I didn't have to go and go and Google yeah, any yeah, of these puzzles. Right. Like it, it was stuff that it didn't take a lot of beating my head against the wall to figure out kind of stuff. Yeah. And I think they uh, did that on purpose because the first one is much more difficult as far as the gameplay goes and, and getting through those puzzles. And it, it, it's not, uh, this game is much more beneficial being easy because it keeps the tense, the, the, uh, intenseness, uh, intensity the intensity going you're this this game is super well, it's intense. like really it's really well story driven intensity too yeah like it, it's not even the mechanics that make you on edge it's like the they really drive you forward with the story on this one yeah this is um this is one of the, one of my favorite games now uh i, I just i i've never so there are parts of of the last of us and i'm sure you're going to talk about that later where i was like in the dark in my basement scared playing that game this game, the whole time, I would like have to take a break and be like, look over my shoulder, and just it, it's it's a it's a frightening game. Love it. Glad to see it was on your list. Uh, you guys want to take a quick break? Yes. Sounds All good. Right. <laughs> Digger goes yes from across the room, nowhere near his microphone. Yes. All right, we'll be right back. Gentlemen, we've just gotten through the gift giving season, and I I know that you guys are probably great gift givers, and you didn't struggle at all with what to get your 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 sweeties. But it can be hard. It can be hard to get gifts for your significant other, and it can be particularly hard if you want to give them something. Let's say, oh, a little erotic. So, oh, dinger dog. Hello. <laughs> yeah. So. It's just, it's awkward because it's kind of a gift that you get for them that's a gift for you. And I, me and the folks at Moral Implications, if we've been chewing on this idea for so long, we're like, how do you like get over that thing that I'm giving you a gift that's actually a gift for me? And we figured it out. Yeah, and fix so that problem. We, like... we fixed it. 
It's called accidentallaundry.com. And here's okay. what it has. If you go to accidentallaundry.com, you put your, your wife's size in or whatever that is. And that's like when you log in. That's like name, password, wife's size. And then it's going to show you a bunch of other gifts. Let's say, uh, you know, paintbrushes or just whatever thoughtful gifts that you may get your spouse for a for a gift for a birthday anniversary christmas whatever and here's the deal so you're like hey sweetie i know you love this i got you um uh, some pottery glazes because i know you love making pottery and so thoughtful so thoughtful and you're like hey it's it's in the mail it's shipping now I, I love you and then guess what gets shipped lingerie Do, what else what else uh if you want to get hey uh, I know you love coffee. Here's a, here's a great coffee grinder. Nope, lingerie. So you get to get the lingerie. It, it makes your size. It's perfect. They're like, can't you send it back? And they're like, no, the return policy says the, no. Yeah, the return Computer policy says, says no. Once, you, once you've touched it, it's because it's such a sensitive item, you, there's no returns on these because, you know, nobody wants secondhand lingerie. Brilliant. Uh, the, for, guess we'll have just, to keep it. Guess we'll have to keep it. I don't want to waste this money. The best thing about it is there's only a 100% markup from the actual price of the lingerie. Uh, totally worth it in my book. Guys, if you're trying to get that intimate gift but don't want to look like the jerk getting a gift for yourself, accidentallaundry.com, 100% markup. Go there now. Hello and welcome back to the third and final segment of the afternoon yap. I want to start final with my. Segment. What did I say? I just third. Said, I was just. I was just saying it was final segment. Was just dinger, saying. dinger, hunker <laughs> down. We've got five more segments. Oh boy. For you, and I know you poured yourself some whiskey, so it's going to be a rough day for you. But I hunker go. down, bud. I mean, I know your top five is just Fortnite over and over again. So. It's all the games in one, and free. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Chuck. Uh, number six, Final Fantasy VII Remake for the PlayStation 4. Um, I am not sure about newcomers, but for fans of the original, its nostalgia is incredibly effective. I mean, from the moment that I fired up the game, I'm on the first level, the Mako reactor with the updated sound and graphics. It immediately brought me back to 1997. Um, they went a different direction than this game that I'm not sure I'm entirely stoked about. Uh, when they announced this game years ago, they said it was going to be episodic. Well, it's not epi necessarily episodic. It's going to be spanned across three games. We spend most of the time in this game in Midgar, which you only spend about four hours in in the original. Um, they basically take every single level that they could have and really, really, really flesh it out in order to span it across three games. I don't. I don't love that. I think that this game would have been much, much, much more successful trimming all that fat and just giving me the original story in one game. But hey, it's Square Enix. There's money to be had. And they do a very good job of pretty much running their franchises into the ground. I mean, for the longest time, they said that they would never remake Final Fantasy VII unless they could top it. Well, they put a bunch of games out and they never even came close. So, you know, they folded on that idea pretty quick and realized that they could. This is the first Final Fantasy game that I've played since I think 11 or, or 10 1. I can't remember. I think it was 11 was the last one I played. No, no, it was 12 because I think 11 was an MMO. But um, 
It's active combat is refreshing. So instead of the turn-based combat that we remember from the original, this is more of a you can switch back and forth from your characters on the go. Uh, it's more of an active combat setting, and it's um, it's it's great because you know you're so ingrained with thinking that these games should be turn-based combat, but that's kind of archaic at this point. I think that that if that I don't know how you revive turn-based combat um, and make it for a new generation. You know, in in a lot of the games that I've been playing that are turn-based combat, they're they're supposed to be throwbacks. Um, my issue with the game, the story is the original story, which I fell in love with back in 1997. It is very, it leans very heavily into anime. I was playing this game. And my wife said to me, she was like, is this like a bunch of middle schoolers like talking about a <laughs> talking about a school dance? I mean, it's really, really over the top. And, you know, and the, and the, the characters are super sexualized, which, you know, they were back in 1997 when they were blocky characters. But now it's like this really bizarre I don't know. Anime. I love, I love envisioning Katie's response to you watching any kind of anime. Because I assume it's very similar to my wife's, which is just like a side eye. It's like just like, really, what are you doing really, with your life? Like, that's like the look that you get. Like, what? And I, and I have to explain to her, like, I was telling her about this when I was writing the script last night. She's like, oh, yeah, I remember that game. I looked at you like you're an idiot because I told her, I was like, this is, and I remember when I was playing through this game and we were playing, another buddy was playing it and he had never played the original and he loved this game. He would, he put this on his top 10 and he texted me and he was like, fill in the blank for me. Like what part of the original is so re revered and, and does everybody love so much? And I, I, I told him, I was like, I think it's just part of that place, that time. I'd never played an yeah, RPG yeah. that was... That it was, it was, yeah, it, it's very much, I think, a place and time thing. So I have not played this one yet. I, I didn't get a PS5 until very recently, and my OG PS4 died, like, uh, middle of last year. So this is one I have not gotten to, around to, but I'm very much looking forward to checking it out. I mean, yeah. would you recommend it? Like, given the, the concerns with it, though, you still have it pretty high on the list. Yes, uh, especially because once we get, you have a PlayStation 5, I think you have a couple of games that are ahead of you. You have Last of Us. You have yes, Ghost of Tsushima. I mean, I'm playing I, Demon's I, Souls I, right now. Yeah. There's really not much on the horizon until we get um, uh, the next Far Cry. I, 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 I don't think that there's anything really big coming out all spring. So I would say get through Last of Us, get through Ghost of Tsushima, and then get to this game. Especially because it's going to look and play better on the PlayStation 5 anyway. Um but yeah, in terms of the original, it was it was the original water cooler game. Everybody had a PlayStation and everybody was at had this game and everybody was at different sections of the game when you would talk to them at lunch. And it was just this phenomenon that came out when I was in high school. And it was a game that I stepped away from for six months because I got stuck at a boss and I couldn't get past them. And I and I came back and 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 jumped right back in. But this, the way that they're telling it episodic, it, it strips away some of the stuff that I love about the old Square games. And that's the big open world where you get a tiny little vehicle and you can just go wherever you want to once it opens up. Because basically once you defeat Midgar, you can beat the story, but you can also kind of just head out on your own. And back in 1997, I mean, we had seen that, but not on this 
scale. I mean, I think when this game came out, it was like three or four discs, super impressive, tons of content. And, you know, like we're missing some of the, um, some of the, the, the big bosses, like the hidden bosses that are out there in the world are kind of just gone from that. I think that they're called the shoot. What are they called? The diamonds or the, the, it bugs me that I can't remember, but like those vehicles are gone. Like you can, you can ride in vehicles in this, but like that open world experience is gone. And I don't know if they're going to do that for the second iteration where they're going to actually give you a world map, but I would assume it's just going to continue the, would you like to play this level by level? And, and that's kind of how the game is presented to you. That being said, I'm excited for the second one. I will play the second one. Um, but I really, really wish that they would have stuck closer to the original feel of the game. Um, so, uh, so that was my number six. Malpau's number six was Call of Duty. Number five for me was Resident Evil 3. Number five for Malpau was Doom Eternal. Number four for me is Hades. But Malpau, I want you to talk about it. Sure. So uh, Hades was number two on my list. Um, so this is just like so super giant. The developers done, you know, they did Bastion, which was amazing. They did Transistor, which I liked a lot. Pyre, I didn't really get into. Um, but this is just them firing on on just hitting everything perfectly. They've always been like beautiful graphics, like hand drawn, like amazing art. Their sound is and 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 you know music is always amazing. The voice work in this is amazing, and there's a lot of it. Like this is just like the best roguelike ever made. Like, I just it just nailed every aspect of it perfectly. The gameplay loop is great. The feel of the controls is amazing. Um, you know, I just I don't know what else to say other than just it's such an amazing game. I think you nailed it on the head. Where I've never liked roguelikes or rogue lights. I I. The idea that you play through a game, you die, and you start all the way back at the beginning always seemed like uh, just frustrating to me. But the core gameplay loop of this is so intuitive, and the combat is so good. Uh, and, and it's like every time you restart, and, and this seems like a, such a minor thing, but it's a thing that really like sands the edges off of that gameplay loop of like, shit, I died, and I'm back at the beginning. Like you've got like characters at that beginning hub area that are just like commenting every time. And it's like every time they have a different comment from somebody doing this amazing voice acting work. Like it just, it really makes it feel like every time you're going through, it's not just this rote like loop. I don't know how to describe it past that, but just they really did such a good job with it, making it not feel repetitive at all. When I first started playing this game, my first thought, the first like five or six hours was, this is my game of the year. What happened was, is you get to about the third, there's four levels and you get somewhere around halfway through the third level and a bit of tedium uh, kicks in. And you have, and like, if you look on the internet, like I remember seeing a lot of chatter about that, like that it's just the way that the game is structured three fourths into the game that's everybody's biggest hurdle, you know? And, uh, but once you get past that and I, the game, like I, like you said, it's the best rogue light or rogue like that I've ever played, which is a huge testament because I've never liked that kind of a game. And another great thing about this game is it's a game based on runs. So it's very suited for the Nintendo switch, 
where at the beginning, yes, your runs might be five to 10 minutes. And then I think uh, like a complete run of the entire game, once you are capable of it is what, maybe 45 to 48 minutes. Yeah, It's still not super long. It, it's a great game. It's one of those games. And because even on a short, if you don't make it all the way, you can still grind some of the things that like will let you advance. So like, it, there's never like, despite the fact it has this looping gameplay, every run, even the ones that end early that you, you fuck up on or, or you, you know, feel like, ah, crap, I didn't get the right, you know, random benefits popped up that I could really advance. You still get something like it's yeah. never, you never feel like it was a wasted run. It, it may does. not have gotten you there, but like you still advanced. It does feel a little bit like uh, like a Dark Souls game because I remember that first boss, Meg, I probably fought her 10 times. <laughs> and each time that I was fighting her, her life, she, she, I, I hurt her a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And there's that huge sense of accomplishment once you beat that first boss. Dinger, and, have you played this game? I hear him chuckling in the background. No, I just, the like, first boss's name is... No, no, no I, oh, I know. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I see what you're doing. I didn't. I, I was curious. I, I was curious I, if if there may I, might be I have, somebody in your life who had seen the the I, uh, artwork for that particular Meg. I haven't seen the artwork, but I have I have battled this on endless loops, and each time you do a little more damage. Yes. <laughs> the the one uh, a complaint for me is, and I don't know if you felt this way, is everything is obtuse. Like the 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 currency that you collect, the way that you level up your character, it is completely not explained to you and that's also kind of a dark souls thing as well it's more of a hit the ground running figure it out on your own um so i i thought that that was frustrating in a little bit regards but this also isn't a game for everybody and to the point that this is on most people's top tens list and it's in the top five of most people top ten list and the game is what 15 bucks or something or 20 dollars yeah, i think I mean, it was this is one i would recommend to anybody because a lot of the time Kind of like you said, like you tend to either like them or you don't when it comes to whatever you want to call it, roguelike, roguelike, whatever version. But this is one I think like anybody could enjoy because even if, there's just so much like feeling to it with the way it's written and excellent voice acting and excellent graphics. Like it's fun just to do the runs, you know, just to, to see all that. Uh, yes. Uh Number four for Zach is Assassin's Creed Valhalla. My number three is the new Tony Hawk game. Tony Hawk Remake 1 and 2. I can't remember. Is Tony Hawk Remastered 1 and 2? But I think the game was 40 bucks. It's the original two games completely remade. Um, and they also added in multiplayer elements. The create a park. You can share the parks that you've made. Um, it gives these two games a huge facelift adds new songs, adds new tricks. Um, it is a game that I can just pick up, play, and enjoy myself every time. Uh, and I felt I, I felt so comfortably into that role of when this game came out when I was a kid that I would just come home from school or come home from work and turn this game on and turn on the cheats and just play it for a couple hours and just consistently enjoy myself. Um it's the first time I've cared about a leaderboard in a long time. Like, and I never got too far in the leaderboard, but the first thing I wanted to do was play Marcel France, which was my favorite level that, which was the demo for Tony Hawk two that came out 
the summer of 2000. And I can remember playing that demo the entire summer and just being, and then when the core game came out, playing that for hundreds of hours. This is a game that me and Dinger played when we were in college and we would try to see who could have the longest loops around Marcel France because you can um, you can combine the tricks to make one consistent run. Dinger never, ever beat me, but he held his own. And I think, Dinger Dog, you had the original Tony Hawk 1 and 2 on N64, which is basically like playing like an animal because the block, the graphics were blocky. They were missing most of the songs. What do you think about this remake? Because you played a ton over at my house when you were still visiting me. Uh, yeah. It, I mean, how can you not love it? I mean, I thought, uh, I, I don't know if it added a whole lot more. It's just a great game to pick up and play again. Like I, I love the nostalgic feel of the levels. I love the nostalgic feel of, you know, pretending I was a skateboarder. Like I used to pretend I was a skateboarder when I was a pretend skateboarder. Um, yeah, I beat you. And I, do, I just, played. well, not only that, but just like that soundtrack is so iconic. Like every time No Cigar would come on by Mel and Colin, I would turn it up. And they added a bunch of new songs, but a great thing that you can do is you can go into the options and you can make your own playlist and you can just check the songs that only you want to hear. And so you're going to get to hear Sublime and Bad Religion and, and uh, Melancholin and shoot, no effects or no effects isn't on there, uh, but just a wonderful throwback. And that's why it's at my number three is the games were so strong to begin with, so addicting. And I, you you can play through the games just like you did originally. You 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 fire up one, you you play a level, you do the checklist, and you and you move on. But they added new checklists to the game to flesh it out. I hope that they I hope that they remake three um one and two were the ones that i played the most but you know a successful job that they did doing one and two i i do hope that there's more content coming um and and the level creator is really cool too um me and dinger messed around with it for a little while and people did some really creative stuff um but there's there wasn't there just wasn't enough out there when uh you know when we were playing it but so that was my number three now pal's number three what is it so my number three is cyberpunk 2077 um so this is so i gotta give a caveat with this one as well so i was playing on pc i didn't have any game destroying bugs i totally recognize some of the console releases for this one were garbage fires so again i can only attest to this is my list not everyone's list um, I'm also a huge fan of the cyberpunk genre. Uh, I, both the books, you know, Sterling, Gibson, as well as like a lot of the classic meetings. Um, this game was, and the hype for it was crazy. And I think that's kind of on them to an extent. The world they built was amazing. Like Night City itself is an amazing character. And I'm interested in seeing where they go in the future with, you could put a lot of other stories in this setting and have like the basis for a lot. And, you know, I was a huge fan of the Witcher three and I felt like some of the DLC they released for that was some of the best writing and best, um, you know, story in that entire release. So I'm interested in seeing more they do with that. The story of this one is great when it's hitting. I think as I'm, you know, talking with some other friends who are playing it and not enjoying it quite as much as much, some of the early side missions are a little bit weak in the writing 
and gigs are uneven. Some of them are just kind of like kind of BS. Oh, just go and go shoot that guy. Some of them actually have interesting story and commentary. And I think they did a really good job of using Keanu Reeves really well, where even in like these little side gigs, he'll show up and throw out some snark. Um, so yeah, I just, I really enjoyed it. I think they did an okay job. I feel like they clearly did not have the time to finish it. They should have pushed it back again. As much as that sucks, you know, when you're waiting to play a game, this was not ready for release. This um, game should have been a... Go ahead. It should have been a PC exclusive or the the, the, the whole... The, the, or put it back six months the, and, and the, actually get the it. The game is a year away from being finished. Like, I would love for you... I never got a chance to play it on PS4, but the PS5 version is just the PS4 version running a little bit better, and it looks like shit. And it's super frustrating because... Witcher 3 is up there in my top five RPGs of all time. Yeah, and so I'm, I'm, not even, I'm not even playing this on, like, next-gen, like, current, like, the best video card or anything. Like, I'm playing on basically a, like, two- or three-year-old PC that was, like, mid-level components. And, and it looks amazing. So, like, it, clearly they, like, did not optimize at all for consoles. Like, uh, and I hope, you know, especially, like, Chunk, you and Kyle and some of our friends you know, I, I hope, you know, once they actually optimize that and do their, like, quote-unquote next-gen release, it fixes a lot of that because, like, I just, I'm really enjoying this game, you know, despite its flaws. Yeah. And there's a moment where you walk out of your apartment and you step foot into, what what's the city called? Night City. Yeah. Night City. And it's breathtaking. And it's breathtaking on this PS4 build where it literally like the sight and the sounds in the, in the tall skyscrapers, like, and I was so excited, but it's just not ready on console yet. And so I played about seven hours into the game and I honestly, I turned it off and I deleted it from my hard drive. I'm going to come back if they ever fix it there. I mean, they said that there's gonna release a next gen update for it, but they've got to fix the core game first They've got to fix the PS4 and the Xbox One build because it's so broken at the moment where they're it created this entire fiasco where they're issuing refunds. The only people that are happy with it are the PC players. And that's fine. I mean, that's happened a million times with other games where the console players get the best quality version and then the PC crowd gets screwed. But yeah, I just kind of the it baffles me. It baffles me to no end that they would put this game out in this state and sell it to people because yeah. it, it, and, and, you know, it looked, it looked okay on PlayStation five, brand new hardware. But even then there was huge bugs that I incurred uh, that I encountered in my first seven hours. There's a mission where you clear out a warehouse full of enemies. And at the end, if you walk through the front door without the character that is following you, you're like your buddy, he gets stuck in there and you can't continue. And I played this mission that was like 20 minutes long three times until it finally worked, until he finally followed me outside and there wasn't something that was barring me. And it's also clear that they had these kind of grandiose ideas that they clearly either ran out of time or money to do because one of the first missions is, I mean, it was a month ago since I played it, but you can tell you're supposed to build up like an army to go 
or a group and you can choose different ways to tackle the first like main mission. But then there's like plot, there's points missing. Uh, I, I, like I said, I'm forgetting stuff because it's been a while since I played it, but they, they spent way too much time creating this beautiful, beautiful city. And I, I don't know the, 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 I mean, that, I mean, I'm not, I'm okay. not downplaying how you feel about it, Zach, but like the shit that I saw, I wasn't in love with. There's that brain scan part where you, you're basically, it's a memory and it's like a VHS tape and you rewind and it's a puzzle part. And it literally put the game to an absolute halt where I was like, Oh my God, I hope that they never do any more segments like this because this is so bad. And the Keanu Reeves stuff is fine. Like everybody likes Keanu Reeves, but he kind of, he kind of doesn't work in this because it's the only bad voice acting. Like his, his, his voice acting kind of pulls you out of it. It's kind of stilted. Oh, really? At least I, I didn't get that. that. I mean, he is, he, he plays against type cause he's a total douchebag in the skin. Although I kind of like that, that they didn't, because he's supposed to be this like legendary figure or whatever. I do like the fact that they didn't just make him this like you know shiny hero character, but he's actually like no, in real life this guy was a piece of shit. Like I, I do like that they you know had some additional depth to that character, but uh, for me I it's just like, like like you said, there's a lot of polish missing. Um, I didn't have any game-breaking bugs. I definitely did have a couple of times I had to reload or something to fix something that was, like you said, somebody getting stuck on a wall or something. And I just, I feel like the bones are there and I'm interested in seeing what they do with it. And it just, it, it nails a lot of the, uh, the other stuff I said, like some of the best character stuff is just, it's hidden at the very end of those character lines. Like, I would contrast that with something like Mass Effect, where you have these amazing characters that right off the bat, these side characters or sidekicks are really well-written and, like, really interesting. So you want to go down and, like, finish that line because you like that character because it's already somebody who you, you are connecting with. Whereas with this, it just seems like they kind of start out as kind of, eh, not really that filled in. Like, their, their side missions aren't particularly interesting. But by the end, they become, like, very compelling. So I don't know. I want the experience that you're having. So I am happy to, to I'm just pretending this game didn't come out because it's just, it's not ready on console. Yeah, I, I would, so, I would, despite having it three on my list, I would not have anybody who has a last gen console buy it because it just looks like garbage is everything I'm hearing and seeing. So uh, this, like I said, I got to put a big caveat on this one. It's worked well for me and I've enjoyed it, but I totally recognize that's not everyone's experience with it, just from a technical standpoint. Uh, number two, mine is The Last of Us 2. And Brian, I'll get your thoughts here in a little bit, but here's my initial thoughts. Uh, this game defies my expectations by making a sequel to a game that I thought was unnecessary and impossible. I played The Last of Us, the first one, two times, and I played the DLC that accompanied it. it it's a beautifully well-written story that tells its story and doesn't, doesn't need any more to it. Like when, when the, the story of Ellie and Joel wraps up in The Last of Us, I didn't need any more. I thought that they did it so well. They did it better than Uncharted, better than it – was, it was some of their best writing. I have so not when, played this game. I don't know how you beat that last conversation between Ellie and Joel, like in anything, like in a game, even in film, like 
So anyway, go ahead. Sorry. I'm just saying, like, no, I totally no, agree. That's like, fine. I don't know how you could beat that. So when they announced a sequel, I, I, my thought was, where are they going to go with this? There's no place to go. I, I don't care about whatever, whatever else happens to them. I mean, the original is so dark and harrowing that, you know, it's, it's exhausting to play through. You, you can only play a couple, you know, an hour at a time where you have to turn it off because somebody's suiciding themselves in front of you. I mean, it's just that absolute dark. So even though I had already had closure on these characters, this game still felt necessary to me at the end. Um, there's a lot of buts. There's a lot of caveats. And me and Brian are going to get to that in a second. Uh, it's easily the best looking game of the last generation. It's so detailed and it's so gorgeous. And I was playing it on seven-year-old hardware. It also has the most effective use of film grain that I've ever seen. Like it's the... Like they've used, they use film grain every once in a while in video games, especially in like the Silent Hill games to just create a feeling that you are watching a film, but it's super effective in this. And I, and I don't know, most of the time it comes off as like gimmicky and cheap in other video games, but it's super worked for this. Uh, there's questionable design choices that make this game incredibly divisive. Uh, spoilers leaked for this game a couple weeks for before it came out and lots of people all over the world said, I'm not going to play this, including one of our best friends who loved the original. He said, you know what? The story sounds, it sounds stupid to me and I'm just not interested in playing that game. And I, you know, my thought was I love the first one, you know, naughty dog is an incredibly talented direct or developer. Let's see where they go with this. My, there are problems. Um, ignore what you've read, play the game and make opinions for yourself. That being said, um, me and Brian are kind of aligned on how we felt about this game, but there's a lot of weird story decisions and choices that they make. And I want to get into some, sp uh, shit. Cause we got Malpal on the line and I want to talk Mal Brian, let's, let's review this game. Without do I need to like go to like earmuffs because I do so I'm not the the friend that did not want to play this I very much want to I just haven't had the opportunity until getting a PS5 so oh, I've got, I've, I'm gonna do a small spoiler but it's not an ending spoiler you get okay. to play as you get you get to play as the enemy for half of the game uh, well okay that's a, okay. Maybe not a half of the game. Maybe more of a long of a That doesn't – okay, don't get more specific. Okay, that's, <laughs> Brian. That in and of itself doesn't ruin anything. I, I've, actually, I've actually intentionally avoided the, the story spoilers. Oh, okay. So I, I don't know anything other than what is in trailers for this game. It's really and hard to talk about. It's really hard to talk oh, wow, about this there game. There are some big spoilers. I, some asshole, I read a review for the game that like was like four days after the game came out. And they dropped the biggest spoiler that they absolutely could have in the first pair. I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not like crazy sensitive to spoilers in that, like, just because I know where the story is going, that's like totally different than actually seeing how they portray the story. So, like, you know, I'm not going to like lose my mind if you guys let something drop, but just I would prefer to try and avoid it if you can. <laughs> I think this game Brian, is... Try to salvage that. Yeah, it's, it's really hard to talk about this game without talking about uh, spoilers. I I think we can be vague in saying my biggest issue is the way that the the characters um, 
the, the character arc throughout the game is pretty consistent until the very end. And I had some serious issues with the the way the game ended and it not, it didn't ruin the game for me because I think that, um, ultimately, uh, it's a great extension of the world. Um, man, it's really hard to talk about this without spoiling anything. Sorry. Sorry. I think that they made choices that they need to make to carry the story forward. I think that it's a, it's a beautiful game and you, you hit the nail on the head and I couldn't have said it better. The the game looks gorgeous and it, it plays a little different, which in, in some aspects is, is way better than the first one. The, the controls are a little better, I feel like, but in terms of story, this game is, is all about the story. And I think there's two major places where the, the characters kind of betray what they have been laid out to do. And it just doesn't, in the end of the day, the ending just didn't make sense on a character level for me. Um, I still think I, I, I no longer care what happens to Ellie moving forward. She's a piece of shit. And like the way that her character arc goes and the choices that she makes, like they kind of, they kind of that game, the, the games that have kind of always relied on that aspect of, yes, these are normal people and they're doing terrible decisions to survive. But Ellie makes some selfish decisions that aren't really based on survival in this game that don't fit her character. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I had that's the I don't know. That, and they're only there. They're only there to because they changed the ending. Right. To what they thought that people wanted to see. And. I, I don't want what they think people want to see. I want like their, I want their vision and they, they had an ending in mind and they changed it at the end because they thought it would upset the player base too much. And it's like, you're already real far in at this point. Like <laughs> yeah. there's, there's, there's stuff that's thrown in there. That's a lot of woke stuff, which is fine. It needs to be in there. There's a very well-written trans character in there, but does, is is it shoehorned in is she is she is he shoehorned in or is it part of the the bigger story and there's there's a lot of stuff and they they make they make the enemy character butch and they i i feel like they kind of do that on purpose and it's weird it's a weird choice yeah weird and i and, and i loved her character and she's, you know, I think that they do do a great job of that, of showing different sides during this, this, whatever you would call it, this war or whatever. But, but it's still that naughty dog framework where they're going into camps and murdering innocent people. Like, yeah, like murdering. Well, I mean, and that's, that's something, you know, I haven't played this game, but like, that's something with other naughty dog, uh, you know, game series is like you know with with all of the uncharted stuff where they're just like yeah you're this wise cracking guy but you just killed like 50 dudes <laughs> like, yeah so yeah. I, if they're actually like taking that like i i feel and again this is just going by like trailers and stuff but it seems like they're actually like thinking about that and i that's cool like i, I think that's something that needs to happen more in games where they you know, recognize, especially games that are more, you know, that aren't just run based, whatever, but are like story based. Like that has to be part of the character's pathos. Really. It all, it all culminates in an ending that doesn't stick the landing. Yeah. How's that? How's that? How's that? How's that? The ride is better than the destination. Do you think like overall, do you think it was, was it worth them making another one? 
Did, yes. did they add oh, enough yes. of the new one that it was worth them having done it? Yes, but I also feel like now they made two and they're going to make a third one, especially with the great, the wonderful job that they did with the, the new character that yeah. they introduced. Yeah. I, I would rather just see her story now. I agree. I don't, I don't need any more Joel and Ellie. Uh, you know, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, that that story seems like it, you can't add anything to that story past this game. And I, to me, that that character is a little bit more intriguing than um, than than Ellie. And and I I also <laughs> I want to make it, act is just kind of a mess in the game. Yeah, I mean to be honest, it feels tacked on too. Like you mentioned that they like it just it feels like some kind of just thing that they rushed through and added on. Well, yeah, they meander the first, I don't know, two acts, like slowly making their way across whatever. I, I remember I was eight hours in and me and Brian were playing it at the exact same time. And I was like, I'm not sure if I like this yet, because the beginning of the game is just Last of Us 1.5. Yeah. And yeah. then and then the game start to make significant changes. I don't know. After the first third of the game. And then I was really on board. But uh, it's it's divisive. But I, I I still once I got into it, I could not put it down. And it's just as brutal as the first one, if and if not at times more brutal. All right, let's get into our number one and let's wrap this bad boy up. I don't even think Dinger's there anymore, or he's been hitting the bourbon too hard. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. I'm just enthralled. Dinger dog, what's your game of the year among us? Uh, probably. I mean, Among Us I can't came out it. years ago. <laughs> well, uh, Fortnite. Yeah, Fortnite came out years ago. Mal Pal, what's your game of the year? So my game of the year is Half-Life Alex. Um, so just full stop, this in my mind is the first true AAA VR game. Um, this is like top to bottom, was developed specifically for VR, it was like full on the art, the level design, the sound design, all of it was built around VR because it, it, this was Valve's kind of big thing. And it was absolutely amazing. Um, caveat, I'm a giant Half-Life fanboy. So, uh, you know, any new Half-Life coming out, I'm super interested in. But I honestly believe like, and I've got a, uh, again, just, uh, I've got an HTC Vive, the original, that's the VR setup I have. Uh, for anyone who's interested with that, um, I have not tried it out on any of the other VR systems, but at least on that, absolutely amazing. Um, I love that they made, uh, you know, what was kind of billed as a prequel, but it actually does have impact to the Half-Life canon going forward, despite it not being Half-Life 3. Um, you know, I really hope that this bodes well. That there's people in Valve now, they've hired some additional people on on there, they tend to absorb other small developers that have some kind of interesting showing. Um, I think there's people there now who are actually interested in continuing the Half-Life story. So this like makes me super hopeful for the future with that. But it's just just playing through it. It's just the the polish on it, the like really depth of the thought that went into the level design and how it works with VR and having like you know, if you go back to the earlier Half-Life games, especially Half-Life 2 and, and all the um, additional chapters of that, they just seeing that in this 3D space and having all of those sound effects and everything going off uh, just was magical. 
I'm dying to play this game. I just don't have the VR set up. But once man, the- as soon as this pandemic is clear, man, I will bring it over and you could try it out because it is absolutely amazing. Yeah, I, it's just the most well thought out VR game I've ever played. Yeah, I'm I'm dying to play it. And my number one game, and we'll wrap this bad boy up. Demon's Souls remake for the PlayStation 5. Uh, this is my favorite gaming experience of the year that I gave up on several dozen times in the first level. So I could not get past. The, the, the first level is basically a tutorial to teach you how to play the game. And I couldn't get past it. And I, I tried different uh, character classes. For anybody that doesn't know about what Demon Souls is, it came out in 2009. It's the very first of the From Software brutally challenging RPG, uh, you know, action adventure um, games. It's it's and so they remade it from the ground up for the PlayStation Five. It's made by Blue Point Games. Uh, they're the good company that remade Shadow of the Colossus a couple of years ago. Uh, but I, I could not get past the beginning. And I, and I kept on telling myself, I was like, I have to get past this part because I feel like if I don't, I'm going to be missing out on one of the best game experiences of the year. Eventually, I somehow got past the beginning. Once you get past the first level and beat the first level boss, that's when you can begin going to other levels, leveling up your character, getting more health, getting better stats, and 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 playing the game the way that I like to play these these games, which is basically to just grind the shit out of them, turn my character into a uh, a tank, and and come back and beat these hard levels and these hard bosses. And uh, I think I I think I spent 37 hours on this game. I'd never played the original. Um, it is the ex- best example of next gen gaming that I've seen so far. The loading times are so fast. You fire up the game, you're immediately into the game. You go to another zone, you're immediately in that zone. The lighting is drop dead gorgeous. There's moments in that game where I was in a disgusting swamp, and in 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 the in front of me, I could see a light up ahead that was a fire glowing. And there, the, it's just so well done this next gen technology there were moments that reminded me of super mario 64 when i first got my nintendo 64 and i would stop and look at bricks and look look at the textures and being like this is where gaming is going you know it is a must play experience if you've got a shiny new playstation 5 and if you don't mind punishing yourself because it is brutally hard but that is the magic of these games like you get so angry but you die after a 30 minute run where you're paying attention the entire time and you go, you, you have two options. You can either fire it back up and try again, or you can just quit and, and walk away from it for a day and come back fresh. But I really like the way that this game is laid out. Uh, the future games would be more like a labyrinth where you would start the game. You can kind of go where you can't really go where you want to, but it'll, it'll circle back to areas that you've been in this one. You beat that first boss and it opens up all of the other worlds to you. And it's basically you, you, that level is contained. That boss is contained. And for this game, it is more in the, in the future from software games. It was all about how difficult the boss was in this one. It's all about how difficult the level is. And that's the real boss of this game because the bosses in this game are kind of a pushover. But like the level design in this game, I mean, you get to see this prison that is just I remember playing it one night late at night and 
I cleared out enemies for 45 minutes and I wound up back at my original cell. And I was like, God, this game is driving me crazy. I got to turn this off. I'll come back to it later. And there's just a handful of those moments, but it just kept on coming. I just was playing it every single day. And it's just absolutely fantastic. I know Malpow is, I don't know, five to 10 hours into it. Malpow, what are yeah, your thoughts? So, so it's not on my list because I, uh, I wrote, actually wrote the list before I had a PS5 where I could play it on. Um, like you said, it's absolutely, a, it's gorgeous. It's a great way of showing off that new system. They clearly designed it like from the get-go, the remake, uh, from the get-go for the PS5. So it, it has all the bells and whistles um, with all the like PS5, uh, I don't know, DualShock 5 or whatever they call the controller, like all the controller tricks. It's got a lot of those in there too, which is awesome. But yeah, no, I'm just really enjoying it. I'm only a ways in. I think I just beat 3-1 um, and uh, just it, it's a phenomenal way of showing off that system. The other thing I'll throw out there, again, this is kind of unrelated, but PS5 in general, um, Astro's Playroom is actually really good. That's another thing I'd say out there. If you got a PS, it comes with the PS5, so it's a, a pack-in. But it looks really good. It has all of the gimmicks with the controller, and the the uh, the sound is great. Like, the music and everything's amazing. So, um, but yeah, I, I think Demon Souls, like, I'm... I really, really am looking forward to if they do any other remakes. I would love like a PS5 version of like Bloodborne or even the earlier Dark Souls. This is, you know, really kind of um, fired me up for that kind of thing. That's our number one. That's our top 10. Uh, and I hear my baby boy upstairs crying. He's probably thinking to himself, where's my best pal Dinger Dog? This, this, baby, yes, needs yes. A, this <laughs> baby needs a father. Uh, Ryan, Dinger, yeah. Malpow, thank you for joining me. Dinger, I'm sorry you couldn't be more charming today, but you're still on that second day hangover. That's okay. Brian, I hope you're getting better. Thank Follow you. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, please leave us a review on iTunes, and we will be back at some point for our 100th episode special. Boys, it was wonderful spending the morning with you. Thanks for talking video games with me. Uh, Dinger Dog, you want to send us off? Uh, love you. <laughs>